welcome everyone and thank you and uh, oh, shit. that sucked take that again jt <laughs> <laughs> you see how good we are Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening and subscribing to Behind the Screen. I am your host, JT Kane, and I'm here with my good friend and producer, Matt Corey. And we are here to talk about auditions, uh, specifically orchestra auditions, which, as you know or may not know, take place behind a screen, hence the name Behind the Screen. But we are here uh, in hopes that our discussion and our guests will be a resource and inspiration for anyone who is currently taking auditions or really just interested in the audition process. If that intro was an actual audition, we'd probably be looking for other candidates, JT. We would have heard thank you. <laughs> we would have cut you off after uh, old friend. <laughs> so Sorry. Good. So good. This podcast is brought to you by Insight for the Blind, a very special recording studio based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where over 100 volunteers produce talking books and magazines for the blind and physically handicapped so that all may read. See for yourself at insightfortheblind.org. Excellent. Thank you so much to Insight for the Blind. And today I am actually here with a, a very good friend of mine who is the uh, the concert master of the Phoenix Symphony and... Uh, the Santa Fe Opera, Stephen Merkel. Welcome, Stephen. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. You know, before we we get into it, I just want to make sure that for the past 12 years, I've been saying your last name correctly. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's that's fine. I, I go with a lot of different different pronunciations. I, I sometimes say just simply Meckel. Uh, the correct pronunciation in German is Merkel. So the, oh. the kind of the Merkel is close enough. <laughs> close enough. All right. Yeah. Because I heard someone's, I did hear, I actually saw a video um, that you did that's on your website that, that this guy went to your place and interviewed you and he said oh, yeah. Merkel, right? Yeah. I like Merkel. Fine. Let's do that then. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to go with what I like. Congratulations. First of all, on, on winning, um, Santa Fe Opera. That's that's really amazing. Oh wow! Um, but unfortunately, um, you guys are not not doing anything this summer, right? No, it's been officially canceled. Uh, it, they they held out pretty long, I have to say, which was really yeah. I, I thought was very motivating, and I thought that was also the right way to to go. But then they just had to pull the trigger. Their, uh, the uh, state of New Mexico was not opening up enough for them to even consider a smaller season, which was, which was also up for, it was also a possibility that they were considering. And, uh, you know, basically just said, sorry, we're just not going to be able to do this this year. Mid-May, actually, they waited. They were one of the last organizations to decide to not have a season. Well, let me ask you, though. So for, for that audition, like, what did you have to do? Was there an actual audition process where you were you went to you know kind of like a typical audition or was it by invite? Uh, it was by invite. Yeah. So and that's that's true of a lot of concertmaster auditions. Actually, if you're if you're going for that specific job, it's it's going to be more of a uh, you know it's going to be more of a trial situation than it is 
so much behind the screen, although there mm -hmm. is that aspect. There was not that aspect in Santa Fe. There was a large preliminary process that was done through recommendations and recordings and various colleagues. There was a couple, They tr because the season is so short, uh, they had been really looking for the past couple years. And mm -hmm. so, so basically it was more of, you know, you're going to come and play two operas and the other guys playing the other two operas. And, you know, you know, so your, your audition process in terms of what you were playing and where, you know, how you were sounding had already happened by elimination through recordings and things like that. So, oh, okay. You know, so they, you, you actually had to send in some stuff. Yes. Uh, everyone oh. did. And, and, and the, the orchestra really kind of pooled their recommendations so that, you know, they could kind of figure out who, Mm -hmm. you know, what would be a, the right fit for the or organization? Because it was, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with an, especially with an opera, with a pit orchestra, th those leadership positions are incredibly important. And the, and the, the, the gelling of those positions are, e since I do both, I can actually say this. I think they're even more valid for an opera orchestra that the concert master fits into that group than, than even for a symphony orchestra. How many people were there that were invited? For Santa Fe, it was narrowed down to four people over the course of two years. Oh, yeah, okay. By the end of it, four candidates were being considered for the position. How do you prepare for something like that? I mean, I know, obviously, you know what operas you're going to play beforehand, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, is it is it really just kind of, I'm kind of thinking like, what's the difference between, you know, you're going in for for a concert master position, whether it's Santa Fe or, or Phoenix or wh wherever it may be. So in, in preparing for something like that, um, how is it, how is it different or the same, even if it's, if it's for a concert master position versus like a section player? Well, it's very different. Different qualities are demanded of the player, depending on what situation you're, you're applying for. So I do think that even the difference between an opera orchestra and a symphony orchestra are mm -hmm. very different auditions. With an orchestra that's mainly a pit orchestra, you're looking for candidates, and let's just talk about section for a minute, you're looking for mm -hmm. candidates that show a lot of range, a lot of flexibility, a lot of different characters, because everything is about this kind of sense of, of incredible music making, because you don't just have five days of rehearsals a weekend concert and then you're moving on to the next yeah with an opera orchestra even like Santa Fe that has let's I guess a short season you still have to maintain that opera throughout the entire 10 weeks mm -hmm. so coming back to those operas demands a totally different kind of player than if you're you know that not an entirely different type of player but certainly a different mentality than if you're coming in and playing a symphony orchestra concert one week and then you're moving to the next concert in terms of what I have to do as a concertmaster to prepare, you know, people think, oh, that's such a great way to audition to 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 be in a trial setting, and and I agree. I think it, as a performer, after a certain point, that's what you do. It's what I do. I perform and I play and I just mm -hmm. and I lead and this is how I am and this is what they need to see. The prerequisites are you come into a trial like that and people are pretty clear on what you can do as a violinist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you're sitting there for basically it's a two and a half month audition, right? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not let off the hook, and 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 you know to play to. And I had to, I had to lead a sectional. Now you want to come in with a with a you know, and a concertmaster position can also you know these leadership positions can become a bit political. Now I I'm not saying that that was the case in Santa Fe, but you know you are coming into a situation where people are really 
you know, judging what you're bringing to the table. So having to do a sectional on Cozy yeah. Pantute was, um, you know, was just a very odd place to be in considering that everybody in that orchestra has played that opera, you know, probably 400 times. So, you yeah, know, right. And there's that, but there's also the, there's right. There's, there's the fact that you're coming into an orchestra that, I mean, Santa Fe is an established orchestra. This yeah. is not some, this is not an orchestra that, that is constantly turning over. These people have been there years and years and years. Years. Especially, yeah. especially the, the first violin section, but that turned out to be really fun. And, you know, that, that was something that, that ended up being, being a really positive experience. I feel certainly for me, but I also feel for uh, others involved. And I thought, th- thought that was a unique way to kind of get to know a section and for a section to get to know, know the concert master, but, you know, to, to be there for two and a half months and to play, you know, the solos night after night after mm-hmm. night, I mean, yeah. you're like, <laughs> you have to have a certain kind of nerve set and a kind of understanding so, so going into it, I mean, especially with opera, there's, there are so many more factors than what I was used to it in a symphony orchestra. And of course, my first gig as a concertmaster was in an opera company. So I, I knew oh. the ropes a little bit and it was kind of like, oh, getting back on that horse or getting back on that bike. It felt really, really great. What opera company? I was in Ulm. My first job when I was 19, I won the audition. And that was a behind-the-screen audition in Germany in the Ulm Theater. And I was assistant concertmaster. So and was so that was, that was behind the screen? Totally. So what's the difference then? I mean, well, other than, I mean, your, your experience with Santa Fe wasn't behind the screen. You had, I mean, just, I can't even imagine two and a half months of, of having to do the same thing over and over again. But I mean, what is the difference if you're auditioning in the United States versus auditioning in Europe? Is there a big audition? If anyone would say like, you know, somebody from college is interested in, in going and taking an audition in, in Europe, what could they expect? Well, it's very different. Uh, First of all, European auditions, I mean, obviously it changes from place to place. However, Mm -hmm. the general concept is, first of all, you're playing more of the solo concertos. So if you're coming out of a situation where you're used to just playing the first two and a half pages of Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. you'll have to certainly change that. It will, you will play at least up through the exposition, both of Mozart and of the Romantic Concerto, and they will have a pianist for you. Yeah. I've heard that they have the pianist there for you. Yeah. Very rarely do excerpts come into play until the very final round. Interesting. And most of the time, the first two rounds are behind the screen and the final round isn't. Um, But that is also, honestly, that could be different for section players. In fact, we've now changed that in Phoenix to having all rounds behind a screen. Yeah. Um, we're still working out the process, but what ends up happening is, is you, you know, the excerpts are kind of the, they're basically using the excerpts to decide between the candidates and Mm you're also playing for the f- entire orchestra. So the entire orchestra is present for auditions oh. and it's not with the committee. So I remember being quite astounded because this was the first audition that I took out of school. And I, I was complaining to my father about, you know, that I didn't want to go back to Salzburg and I had had enough and yada, yada, yada. And so he looked at me and says, well, then take an audition. <laughs> and I said, okay. Okay. And I did. And then I won it. So it was like, well, wait a minute. Now I don't know. But that was really cool. I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing. 
but I was really surprised to see the whole orchestra when I walked out after the third round. Oh, yeah. So that's very different. Yeah, that's got to be really intimidating. It is in a way, but in a way, it feels more like a performance. It's a good way to look at it. I often think the most difficult thing, particularly for me, because I'm such a performer, uh, is is the, that that I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm actually just playing for a wall, right? Like, I just, I don't tap into that part of me that I think... You know, and I, I feel like a lot of musicians struggle with this because we're we want to express ourselves, and mm-hmm. and these auditions, they they feel like, and in a way, they are the opposite of what we are as musicians, and so <laughs> it's a yeah. very difficult it's a very difficult balance to find. And I often think if I was able to perform, and I've taken auditions by the way that I've lost as well, <laughs> so. You know, I've taken auditions where I've I've had a committee, and they were like, you know what, we we just want you to play, you know. And I thought, oh great, I'll just play for a while, and I played, and I played, and I played, and I still didn't get the job. But you know, so and I thought I was very comfortable in that audition situation. Whereas, you know, the situation, for example, for my first gig, which was very um, by the book, you know, screen behind the screen, and then the last round, felt more comfortable to me. And I and I I do think that there's a comfort in that too, especially if you have a bad day. Where you're like, oh boy, I really did not play well. I'm glad no one knew who I was. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's that aspect too. So you were born in the United States, but but lived no. in Germany. I was born in Germany. I was born in Bamberg. Yeah, my my father was principal violist of the Bamberg Philharmonic. Oh, so he yeah. And so I was born, yeah, they're all over the place. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's so no. I was born in I was born in Germany. Grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, actually. So I I grew up from the time I was two to about eight. Then we moved briefly to Illinois, and then I moved back to Europe because I became you know a member of the Vienna Boys Choir for a while, and then did that whole thing. And then I did my undergrad in Austria, and then like I said, won my first job in Germany, and and didn't come back to the states until two thousand when I came to IU. And you have a you have a sister, right? Yes, violist. Violist. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, I I knew that you sang with the Vienna Boys Choir, and and my first introduction in, to music was singing in a boys choir, the St. Ah, Paul's yeah. Cathedral Choir in Buffalo, New York, and we it was right. professional, fifty dollars a week. We got paid, and we toured and did all that. But I, for me, that was so influential in just my upbringing, in hearing, and in, in in knowing pitch and things like that. But I can't imagine. I mean, do you still sing? No. But do you still hear the song when you're playing? Do you still recognize the the line? <laughs> yes, it's really interesting. I have this really interesting ear that I <clears throat> I uh, want to actually work on because I've just been doing a, a, a documentary about my time in Vienna. So I've been listening to a lot of old recordings of when I was a boy soprano and a lot of pictures, and it's very cathartic and it's bringing up a lot of angst. <laughs> so. <laughs> Dealing with that on a side note. <laughs> Wait, this is about auditions. Never mind. Sorry. Um, no, I uh, <laughs> talk talk to, talk a little bit more about how. How does that make you feel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, moving on. No, but what's interesting is I had perfect pitch as a boy soprano, and I can still hear the notes perfectly in the soprano range. As soon as it goes below what I was used to singing. I struggle with hearing the pitch and I I'm curious about whether or not I should take voice lessons. And it's not that I can, can't hear that it's out of tune or not. It's just mm-hmm. that I can't tell you, Oh, that's a, that's an a, that's a D that, but I can after in that soprano range without huh. total ease. So, so that should definitely switch to play the bass, right? Uh, I mean. 
Yeah, well. <laughs> well. Or the viola. Well, okay. No. All right. We'll leave that. <laughs> How tall are you? Six five. Six five. Yeah. So, I mean, has anyone ever said, oh, you, you should play the viola? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Such a stereotype. Uh, I kind of like that kind of sensible kind of approach of a violist. I mean, my fam- half my family are violists, and I, I do identify a lot with that kind of sensitivity as well. However, I think deep down, I'm just a, I'm a little bit too much of a showman. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be, right? You, I mean, as a concertmaster, I think that you have to be a soloist. And, and, you know, it, all, it, deep down inside, you have to be a soloist. I absolutely think so. I think it isn't for a concert master. I mean, if we're talking about what kind of personality it kind of takes for a concert master, I do think that you have to have that incredible concept of like, you know, showing up and, and being incredibly gregarious and, and on stage mm-hmm. and really, and yet understanding when to blend in to the section, when to be a team player, so to speak. And I think that if you look at the really great concert masters, they really have all of those qualities and certainly have the ability to draw the attention and to really kind of pull along an orchestra to, to show how they're, how they should play and, and, and how they should participate in what's going on. Matt, you want to say something? Yeah. Along those lines, I was wondering, Stephen, how much in terms of fundraising are you involved in? I know that a lot of organizations will ask their concert master to go to dinners with donors and to do some some schmoozing, for lack of a better word. Is that something that you think is, is kind of required when you're applying for that kind of a job? Or is it something that you don't particularly get involved in? You have to be a part of that as a leader, as a principal. I think that's across the board. It's maybe not a requirement, but I do think that, especially in this country, where we are so dependent on private funding, that when when an organization chooses its leaders, it is really important that they consider that. That's true of conductors. And I think Concertmaster for sure is a unique position because it adds, because I, I do fundraising both, yes, I go to dinners, but I also do playing. I play, I go and and support functions and support causes. And as a concertmaster, you have to be ready to do that. So have the pieces ready and and be confident in that role. And it adds, it adds that kind of importance to a situation. And I think that, you know, that's certainly true. Even in Santa Fe, I mean, Santa Fe just endowed their concertmaster chair. Um, and I think that's in, it's going to be incredibly important to continue along those lines. I I have an endowed chair in Phoenix. I have still have contact with that family. And I do, uh, people look at musicians very much like they do elite athletes. They're, they want to be a part of your world. They are intrigued. And we can't forget that as much as we are part of something incredibly great, we are also an escape for the audience. I don't want to use the word entertainment, but because it's it has such a negative kind of connotation. But in terms of an escapism for an audience who want to see something that they have, that they're just so astonished by the fact that 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 we can do these things on an instrument that that soloists can play so fast that someone that has such a small violin can be heard throughout the hall i mean all these concepts that we take for granted are incredibly cool if you will for a large majority of the audience especially an audience that you know the next generation of audience and that 
concept for any kind of principal position in the orchestra is a really important one to address when you're gauging whether or not you're good for that type of role. Yeah, and I, I would I would go as far as, I mean, you just said it. I mean, I think it's anyone in the orchestra. You can't just show up and play anymore. And like in the old days, you would you would come to rehearsal, you'd play and you'd leave. But nowadays, it's so important to be an advocate for your orchestra and go out and do like these community engagements and things like that. Well, I mean, I think that's also changing. I mean, I do think, I do think that what a section is looking for in a section player is different than what a section is looking for in a concert master. For sure. Those are different skill sets and they're They're often not even about the difference in playing. It's not like it is a, a different idea. However, nowadays more than ever, orchestras are much more interested in promoting their own players. So for example, if you join our orchestra, even, you know, so you're not a principal, you're not a concertmaster, you're in the second violin section because we've had a million auditions. I don't know. I That's all I've listened to. But now we've had two second violinists actually solo with our orchestra in different capacities. <laughs> and so, you know, so coming into an orchestra, even like a size orchestra like ours, you are not going to be sitting there playing necessarily just second violin parts for the rest of your life. You might have an opportunity to stand up and say, oh, you know what, we, we'd love for you to play Mozart concerto. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really unique situation that's kind of emerging more as budgets get smaller. And again, audiences are interested in the people, not just this abstract kind of group of people playing in the distance. They they want to know what's going on and who, who you are. And I think that's really neat. And if we embrace it and if we move towards that, then I think we're gonna create a whole new generation of both audiences and players. Because, I mean, keep in mind that if you come into an audition and you think, oh, my gosh, I a committee's thinking, you know, we're now offering people solo opportunities, then we're also listening for a different type of player. Even mm-hmm. so we're not just listening for, a, you know, this perfect kind of it's shifting. And I think that's really cool. I think it can be very exciting if we kind of all go along with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, for sure. So let me ask you then, you know, since you talked about what orchestras are looking for. What let's bring it back to the other side of the screen. Okay. And and you on on the panel. What is it that you're looking for? What I mean, oh. is there is there a certain something? I mean, or is it just kind of in general? I mean, I, that's a very difficult question. And it's very difficult because I would say what orchestras are looking for and how that transfers to a committee that's listening to an audition are two very different things. So (laughs) I think there's certain orchestras that have very defining qualities. Uh, You know, if I throw out Chicago Symphony or or the Cleveland Orchestra, Mm -hmm. instantly it kind of triggers a kind of sense of style or Orpheus Chamber Orchestra of Mm -hmm. what they're looking for. And I think in those particular situations, yes, you can kind of look at your own playing and say, is this something that that I would fit into. Cleveland has a very unique style of, of auditioning that is very respectful towards each other in terms of the way people feel on the panels. Other orchestras have an incredibly anonymous sense of, uh, of voting, um, yeah. like for example, ours, that, that can be very divisive uh, actually, because everybody com- is coming from a different place. Now, I do believe that going forward, orchestras are going to find better ways of coming to an agreement of what people are looking for. But my my general statement still stands that 
don't give people too many reasons not to like you. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) I mean, the issue is, is there's a lot of very objective kind of right and wrongs, you know, notes, rhythm, dynamics, all those things that are very clearly decided on. And then there's, you know, at least 50% of it is subjective. Do you like that phrase? Do you mm-hmm. play like this? Do you like that shift? Do you would you never do a slide in a Mozart? Would you? I mean, those are very different, and they can be different across the board. And you know, I think for panels, I think it's our job to figure that part out a little bit better than, frankly, than we have been doing. I'm not speaking just about this orchestra, but when you know, when the Boston Symphony, ha- you know, has hundreds and hundreds of people applying for one position, and then they do a no hire. For me, that just makes no sense. That's not a truth. And that's not yeah. actually <laughs> what's what's happening. That's not there's not this some some mystical level that no one is reaching. But do you feel like I mean, is there is there a way to say, okay, well, first round, it's got to be technically perfect. Second round, you've got to show a little bit more of yourself. Third, I mean, is there I mean, because I've heard people say that and I, I mean, is that even yeah. a thing? When you're dealing, when you're using the words perfect and technique and, you know, stuff like that, I was like, well, I do think that that helps because I do think, again, the more, and I'm using air quotes, perfect you play, the less likely it is for someone to find something wrong. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not even like you're not qualified. I mean, I when we have 10 people in the finals, in my opinion, every single person in that final round is qualified for the job. The trick is narrowing things down. I mean, eventually, like for a first round, I mean, the the first round is is seen as such a such a milestone because there's just so many people. Right. And a committee has to someone say, okay, we have to take 100 and narrow it down to 60, right? So it's 40 people have got to go. And so it's easier to say, oh, that was out, not quite in tune. It's easier to listen for those quote unquote objective things, the notes, mm-hmm. the intonation, the rhythm, than it is to listen past that. And I think I think there's that's a there's a danger in that personally, but that is true in that regard. So it's really kind of refreshing to hear you say that, you know, there's room for improvement on that front because I've always found that I, I don't have any skin in this game and I haven't for a long time, but I've always found that to be kind of awful for people to go through that process only for no one to get hired. Right. I mean, oh, yeah, what, I totally what are too. you waiting for? Well, and even if it was right in front of them, I mean, I don't think that it's so much depends on, I mean, Chrysler didn't get into the Vienna Philharmonic. I mean, we can, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it and, and I mean, I, I would, I would like to amend that by saying too, I think, I think when it comes to principal positions, uh, you know, wins or strings, I do think that the process is a little bit more, needs to be more thoughtful than, you know, in terms of, and it can take a little bit longer. Conductors have a very clear idea of what they're looking for in a principal trombone or a principal mm-hmm. horn or a principal bassoon. And I think that that's very important factor because that's shaping the group as a whole for years to come. And I think that that can be, you know, an exception to when, to, to, to this, this potentially, you know, no higher kind of standoff, but yeah, no, fair point. Yeah. You know, I mean, generally speaking, I, I, I think if, if we, the, all these incredibly talented young players, I don't quite understand it. If we're not giving them the opportunity to really show who they are and really be like, to really apply for us, for our jobs that we're offering, then then we're, we're not setting the stage properly for them either and I hope I hope that we can continue to have the conversation and I think it can be very personal within groups and within orchestras 
to to kind of enable a, a scenario where where these especially talented players who who you know the, the you know these these really musical people often struggle mm-hmm. off more with nerves than people who are just locked in a room so it's 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 and those are the people that we really want over long terms in these positions and it's harder to agree on on that from a committee side and hopefully we'll be able to kind of come up with a new formula or new ish formula yeah i mean if you're in the finals clearly you've got something that the orchestra is interested in mm-hmm. and isn't there a a tenure process to kind of help them become the person that they're looking for. I mean, if it's, if it's such a small little thing that they can't make a decision, they're leaning more towards one, they're leaning more towards another. You have the ability to, to help them. You know, if they're, if if you, if I don't know, I think you said, I just, I don't think there's, there's really a reason if you're a section player to not be offered a position and work with the orchestra. I a hundred percent agree. And it's just a matter of, I mean, I don't know exactly what causes that or, or, you know, and I can't speak for other colleagues or other orchestras. So, you know, I can speak for myself and we've only done a no hire once. And that was because we just didn't have any, a pool of candidates. It was a poorly poorly planned situation, but, but I mean, uh, in general, it seems like it's just harder to, to, to find a majority and, uh, you know, again, there's work to be done, but, but, but people going into the situation should definitely feel like it's, you know, trying to play perfect and trying to create that scenario is is just incredibly difficult to force yourself into that box and i think that you know yes the prep has to be extensive mm-hmm. it's, it's not something that you can just jump into and do and i mean i've been through that every time in different mm-hmm. scenarios whether i'm being tried out and i have to i basically need to know the operas by memory and you know people need to feel like okay, he hasn't been playing opera in a while, but there's no issue, totally understands every single singer, right. every single nuance, every time the conductor, or am I playing, am I preparing for a quote unquote cattle call, mm-hmm. you know, where I do have to figure out a way where I'm going to be the most comfortable, really just laying down what the, what the music is in a way yeah. that's, that's really, really clear. And I do think, you know, there is a way to prepare for that. Um, and it is cautious and very careful repetition and, and, and all these things. Again, the previous criticism was more about a system that I see is just that is just not no longer serving us. It's no longer right. serving anyone. And I think that that's a that's a bit of a conundrum. Yeah, yeah, for real. So you're because um, so you're, you're concertmaster now in Phoenix, but mm-hmm. you were in Tucson. You were concertmaster yeah. in Tucson before that, right? Orchestras have auditions that are behind the screen. Can you actually have a concertmaster audition that's behind the screen? I mean, you mentioned about you know in, in in Santa Fe you were you were doing that for for the opera, but that was a little bit different than your position in in Phoenix or even in Tucson. So what was it like? You know, you have to you have to be you have to come out from the screen if you're a concertmaster. Oh, absolutely. For for a leadership position, you absolutely have to see how they play. You absolutely yeah. have to see whether or not they just stand there like a stick in the mud, or if they're going to be moving because, you know, and how they're going to be moving, how people can follow you. I think nowadays it is so uncommon that someone is offered a position just through an audition. Even I mean, orchestras are more than willing to try out people. The trial weeks, sure, for sure, and I think that that's really smart, and that's a they're they're doing that for section players too, and I think that that's just mm-hmm. a really great thing because you know these auditions are expensive and they're they're tough on 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 everyone, and I think that the more s- secure you one you know an orchestra can be in their decision going into it, the better. The orchestra is investing in the player, 
But on the flip side, the, the player is investing in the orchestra. They're yeah. they're uprooting their lives to go there. And yeah. I think a trial week is super important because how do you know? What if what happens if you go there and you just don't fit in? Yeah. If it's not if it's not an inclusive orchestra, if it's not yeah. if it's not a diverse orchestra, if it's not, you know, if you don't feel like you belong there, how is that going to make you feel? Is that a place you're going to want to spend the rest of your life? Exactly. Good thing to know before you uproot, you know, and, and move. I there. agree. I think especially nowadays where it's getting a little bit more difficult, right? Like so people it used to be a little bit easier to move from orchestra to orchestra and people moved more more lightly. Nowadays it's just getting more and more expensive and people don't have that kind of kind of income. So I and and orchestra jobs aren't, you know, uh, you know, there are some that, of course, paying really well, but a lot of them aren't. So you don't, you know, you do want to make sure there's a lot of factors that play into, you know, what kind of group you're in. Now, if I were to compare the the orchestra auditions that I took and that I kind of, you know, I've won some and lost some, right? Mm-hmm. You know, generally speaking, you 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 quote unquote fail at auditions more than you succeed just by nature of the business. You stay sure. longer in the ones that you win. I would say that the the big difference now for Tucson Symphony, I was not tried out. That was two thousand two, and and I I was just I mean I was what twenty four. <laughs> oh my god! It's all right, You're, give me a moment. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so that was also rounds behind the screen, and then you know showing up at the end and and then playing and kind of meeting the entire committee. You know, and in Phoenix, it I, I did it the other way around. I was tried out for two solid weeks, Ooh. and then after the Friday morning concert, I had to play an audition <laughs> where I had to wait, play. wait, 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 wait. So, so they they invited you to play two weeks in a row, yep. as concert master, and then you had to go play an audition. Yep, we played a concert, and it's like, okay, Stephen, we'll take a break, and then you know, and it's like we want to hear the. You know, that was whole Tchaikovsky, whole Mozart. I mean, you had to prepare this huge audition. And and I remember I was, I think I was the first of one of their trial candidates. And which also is kind of, you know, that can be kind of frightening to be early on in the day, but, or in the process. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, <laughs> I had to play every single excerpt that they put on that list, every single one. And, <laughs> and, you know, so I don't know what was easier. You know what I mean? Like, I can't say that sometimes, sometimes sure. it feels like, oh man, just play the audition, get it over with. And then this whole, like, now you're, you've played for two weeks and people have opinions about you, right? Like, so do they like you? Do they not? I mean, and now they know what I do in the chair. So if they really are insecure, then I'm just, I'm out. But did the orchestra after the audition? Did the orchestra have any input on you at all? Was there any kind of uh, a questionnaire that went out to them? Or I'm sure there was. Yeah. Uh, considering how many questionnaires we get about everything that happens, well, yeah, in the orchestra, yeah. I'm sure that but how else are you going to know? I know. I'm sure that the committee. I mean, it was a large committee. It was every single principal of the orchestra was on that committee, so it felt mm-hmm. like, and that was that was also really important. I thought um, for the orchestra to feel really well represented. So yeah, I feel like yeah. if people had something to say, there was certainly an outlet. <laughs> so that so how do you feel so like you've got you've got all you're playing you, you know you you play for all these people you you know because i'm i'm always curious about what somebody does after the audition you're full of adrenaline you're just like there's got to be some sort of an outlet so what what do you do what's what's your what's your go-to to to get <laughs> to release all that energy the the good ones or the bad ones <laughs> both <laughs> Well, I've had my share of meltdowns after 
<laughs> lost <laughs> that I'm not going to go into now. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I do think that it is very important to kind of balance your responses. Uh, of course, it's much easier to handle a win than it is a loss. A lot of times wins you're by yourself. So mm-hmm. in some foreign city, so what are you going to do? You're going to take yourself out to dinner and you're going to text people, right? Like, but um, for me, it's just about just feeling that incredible relief yeah. And I sometimes feel that both after a win and after a loss and just depending on how, how you invest in it, it's, it, it is just, it's, it's like, get your adrenaline on, go for a run and then a big meal. Yeah. And a nice big drink. <laughs> nice drink. Nice big drink. I've had a few of my, my own meltdowns after auditions. Oh my gosh. And I, I think I'm still paying for them. Yeah. It's all of a sudden like nothing matters, like financials situation like it doesn't matter like how much money you spend on yourself after those moments Mm. i do you know and it's like everybody has their own way of dealing with things but um you know for the most part anytime i've auditioned i've just been by myself so yeah and that's usually the case right because who are you going to go to an audition with yeah unless you know people there maybe that you can you you schedule something afterwards but yeah typically you're by yourself i mean isn't that the kind of the plight of the of the orchestral musician, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're surrounded by a bunch of people, but you're an Island of your, of your own. I mean, you're, you, yeah. Especially as a soloist too. I mean, when you have yeah. that, when you have that, that cap on, so to speak, you really do like, it's like this, this incredible highs and, and high. And then you're learning how to kind of cope with that is I think a very important skill as well. Yeah. Um, psychologically and, and just having kind of that balance and having the tool set to be able to kind of maneuver that with some sort of grace. I mean, obviously we're allowed to <laughs> some sort. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be such a hypocrite if I said, it's like, Oh, we're no, not asking for I much, think- but <laughs> oh, I'm drink myself into the gutter. Oh man. Hey, I've been there with you. Oh, and you know what I'm talking about. We won't mention this now. <laughs> JT's talking about an actual guy. Oh. I, I could talk to you for, honestly, for, for a couple more hours. So we will actually have you back if that's okay. Oh, awesome. I'd love to. This is really cool. Definitely. I, um, I'd love to talk about this stuff too. And if, if it can be of any help. And I, I, I mean, again, I want to be an inspiration so that people like come to these auditions and take them and don't yeah. get depressed about it's so hard to, base one's entire sense of self in those four minutes of playing, you know, um, and come out unscathed, right? Like that's tricky. And that's a, that's a lifelong journey though, I will say. But if you had for, for those violinists that are, are really just kind of wanting to wanting to be in that concert master position, what, what kind of advice specifically for them do you feel like there is a way to be to come to go from conservatory or from university or wherever to becoming a concert master? Do you feel like that they should have that people need more experience in sections? Or I mean, what what do you give someone? What kind of advice do you give someone who wants to be in this position? Well, for sure, you need to understand how much of what you do is people skills. I mean, I think that that's incredibly important. You are working with with conductors, with soloists. You're working very closely with a lot of people. You're having to balance out your own sense of what you can do versus what kind of section you're being put in front of and what their capability. You have to be able to judge that so quickly. And if you can, if you can turn around and say something that makes people feel 
like they're being given the opportunity to be their best, you can be a concert master. Because if you do it any differently, I mean, it. you can be a great violinist and you can do all these things, but you're never going to be a, a true leader. And your section is just going to be so diverse, age-wise, level-wise, depending on what kind of orchestra you're into. People have been there for 40 years. Sometimes it's a new orchestra where everything, everybody's younger or you're, or you're the youngest. That's yeah. really tough. So you're telling someone that's been in this orchestra for 30 years that this is all of a sudden different. So you have to have a sense of understanding of where people are coming from. So I do believe that, you know, having that skill set going into these positions is essential. Now, that and then you need to know how to freaking lead. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. and, that's, and that's, I mean, you just, you need to understand how to be both ahead of what's going on and yet still not actually, and still know how to, how to bring, if, if an orchestra's behind, you can't just play faster. I mean, you have to have basic understanding of what it means to how you're going to pull that train along with you as, as the locomotive, so to speak. And, and if you, so that is a, that is something that you, you have to also just really learn and value because just playing beautifully and and faster than everyone isn't going to help the scenario right and to understand how to take a take a section when you're when you're when you're watching across the stage and you're like wait they're not coming with us and i've got my section behind me rushing what am i going to do you have to have that knowledge that is very specific knowledge and you know you can acquire it and it takes time depending on on how how quick you are as a learner but but it is also a value system you have to value understand that mm -hmm. in order to be a, a, a concert master. Yeah. You've got to know everything. You've got to know basically every single part. You've got to know what, what every person is doing, what all the sections are doing yeah. and, and understand, hear them all be around. You've got to be, you got to hover almost, right? When I got to Santa Fe, the biggest conversation that I had for La Boheme was tuning my top A of my violin solo at the end of act one, because the singers were singing, the soprano has it, the tenor has it, and the principal clarinet has it. And it was like, and he's like, I can't find you. I can't find you. And I said, okay, well, let's let's see where it is. And I said, you just play a little bit louder here. I'll let it. And then the, the, the Mimi on stage was adjusting to that and listening to us and that kind of conversation you have to know you have to know that that's yeah. value and you have to figure it out and also you know you you do have to understand people and you have to understand how to how to be a motivating factor and how to also get them to trust you mm -hmm. that was a big issue i had in coming into phoenix the situation in phoenix was a bit odd because the music director at the time um had kind of set a standard he changed that over the years, but that where, where it was all about just following, you know, just be with the stick. So he had all these people just kind of interpreting that. And they knew that as long as they were doing that, they'd be fine. They weren't going to get fired or they weren't going to get, and I came in and I was like, I don't understand why we're not playing together at all. So again, it's like letting people know that it's like, no, 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 no. I'm the one in the hot seat. Play with me. Mm -hmm. And if it's wrong, I will not stab you in the back. I will take the responsibility. But unless we play together, we're not going to be able to make this happen for the conductor or for anyone, frankly. And to build that trust with the section, that's when you really can start shaping an orchestra. And that's when you can also turn around to someone and say, ah, stop playing like that. You know, and they'll and they'll laugh and they'll play better. Um, mm -hmm. but, but for sure, you have to know when and how to do that. So you have to be a therapist. On top of being... A world-class violinist, you have to be a therapist. I don't know. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Am I a therapist? I don't know. This I need was a therapist. Awesome. Or, or you need to have a therapist. 
Oh, for sure. On speed dial. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the, the first, like, on when I'm listening to my recordings, I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And it's like my phone's sitting right there. And it's like, am I going to am I gonna need to call her? Am I going to need it? Am I... <laughs> Never stops, unfortunately. Man, Stephen, this was, this, was, this was really great. Thanks for spending time with us today, Stephen. That was awesome. I just want to recap. So you were a boy soprano. Yeah. You still sing soprano. Let me know if I'm getting this right. <laughs> no, no right. you're you're a, an opera buff, a concert master, a people person. You love viola, and you're a therapist. Did I get all of that? Is that kind of every did I encapsulate all? Well, I'm, I'm I'm honored by that description. Other than I still sing soprano, but that's all right. Um, <clears throat> I can try. <laughs> Listen, man, this was honestly this was this was really great. And I, I so appreciate it. I hope and everyone listening um, really understands what it's like to be in in this position that you that you're in as a concert master. So thank you for for helping Thanks. us uh, understand it a little bit more and 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 to get us a, give us an idea of what it's like to to take an uh, an audition as for a concert master. I mean, so different than anything else. Very different. Yeah. It right? is. Yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you for being on Behind the Screen. This was awesome. Anytime. This was really fun. And now that I figured out how to cut and paste the link into my Google Chrome, so uh, I was like, all right, yeah. I got this. I'm, you can't be perfect I'm, at everything, man. My learning curve has gone, <laughs> is really moving up when it comes to technology because I, I hate this stuff. I mean, I used to say it's like, unless I can use my phone, nothing's getting done. <laughs> can I call? 